I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. In this episode of Newt's World, I have two great guests joining me to discuss their new book, Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. It's a revolutionary roadmap to saving our children from leftist indoctrination. And Pete and David have written a field guide that gives patriotic parents a roadmap to take their children's education back and give America a fighting chance. Of course, you all know my good friend Pete Hexeth, New York Times best-selling author, co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend, America's number one cable morning show, also the host of multiple Fox Nation documentaries, including The Miseducation of America. Pete is an Army combat veteran, a proud father, a great patriot, and somebody I always enjoy working with. David Goodwin and grew up on an Idaho farm, spent more than a decade in big tech, and quit to help found the Ambrose School in Boise, Idaho. He is the editor of the Classical Difference magazine. Pete and David, welcome and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Pete, if you don't mind, I'll start with you because your new five-part series on Fox Nation, The Miseducation of America, came out in January of this year, and it really takes a similar approach to this book. Tell us about the series. Well, thank you, first and foremost, for having us. Second of all, for being a part of that series. You added amazing depth to what we were trying to do. And I guess our overarching goal here is to expose the depth of the progressive takeover in our country in the K-12 through system, and then provide an alternate 
opportunity for parents and grandparents, something they can do about it proactively, both in their individual lives and their communities, but also at a larger scale, because it is the future of our republic that is at stake. And David and I would like to think that the types of things we propose in this book are what we're going to need if we're going to muster the type of comeback we need to create generations of free thinking citizens. Because right now, as you know, as we cover on Fox all the time, there's lunacy across the board. And what we point out is this is only the tip of the iceberg of a 100-year takeover that targeted the very core of what made Western civilization, our American Republic, special and successful. And that's intentional. So we're just trying to spread the word, raise awareness. You know the book, Ellen Bloom's Closing of the American Mind. It was written in the 80s about higher education. We're not saying this is equivalent to that masterpiece, but we're hoping it's a humble contribution to a raising awareness of the depth of the problem in K through 12 classrooms today. Well, you know, David, you served as a consultant on the series. What did you learn from working on it? Much of what I learned is how the progressives managed to undermine what we call the Western Christian paideia or the basis of education for the West. And then what I learned was what Pete and the other contributors brought, including yourself, from the long-term effects of that over the last 80 years. I mean, I knew some of it, but it is shocking when you see how nature abhors a vacuum and the void was filled. The fact is that we've had this continuous effort by the educational left to undermine and destroy Western civilization. So it's really an astonishing story. And I'm curious, because the two of you came together, as I said, I've known Pete a long time, and I'm delighted to get to know you, David. What was it that drew you together to write this book? I call David my Sherpa. He has been the guide of this project. He's the Sean Connery to Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. Like he knows where things happen, and I'm the parent exploring it with him, trying to run as fast as I can to figure it out. And it was an organic meeting between the two of us. I met a family at a Fox and Friends diner in North Carolina that went to one of David's schools in North Carolina, these two beautiful young girls and their parents. And they told me about the classical Christian school that they went to. Now, I had some familiarity with classical Christian in that movement. But they said, you got to meet this guy, David Goodwin. You got to talk to him. He runs the association. And I called him up and we spoke and he shared portions of a manuscript he was working on. I shared my passion for the subject. And I just started asking him questions. I mean, there's no other way around it. And what every question I asked, David had an answer. And then it went deeper and then it went deeper. And I realized how little I knew about the depth of the problem of America's educational industrial complex and where it came from. David had the answers for that because he had been doing the digging and he'd been doing the work on what the solution is. So when we worked on this project, it was almost as if David started with where the problem came from through his research of early progressives and the new Republic and John Dewey and everything. And then I started with the lunacy of the 1619 project and what we talk about on Fox News Channel. And he moved forward and I moved backwards. And through that collaboration, we started to get a full tapestry of the timeline of each bit and piece where another progressive put their shoulder to the plow to advance the ball further down the field. And they didn't know exactly where it would lead, Newt, but they knew where it wouldn't go. And they knew it would go away from God and away from Western civilization and away from God-given truths and natural rights and all the things that our republic are predicated on. And that was their goal. So it was one of those things where I'm like, David, you know things I don't know. And David said, hey, Pete, you know things I don't know. And we both have strengths in different places. And 
So this is truly a labor of love, a mission and a cause, this book, to amplify this message as far and wide as possible through folks like you and Fox and elsewhere and the amazing network of schools that David has so that more and more parents and grandparents know they have an alternative. You don't just have to default to the status quo that you know is poisoning the minds of your kids. We've got a fighting chance and here's what you can do about it. So this project doesn't happen without David Goodwin and he's been leading it from the beginning. David, I mean, you came at this from an unusual background. As I understand it, you spent 13 years in marketing and new business development for a computer products manufacturer before getting into education. But what made you decide to go from marketing to education? Well, I had always been interested in history and what made, when we look at the problems that we're facing in any moment, and this was in the late 90s that I started running into classical education, I realized that it really provided the answer for me as a Christian as to why Christianity seemed to be so separated from daily thought and life in America. And that separation, it turns out, I attended a lecture by Hillsdale professor back in the early 2000s, where he read a quote from Progressive in the early part of the 20th century, where they claimed that the parents were trying to inhibit what they called the plasticity of the child and that they wanted to control that in the school system. And that seemed intriguing to me. So when I went and investigated that and realized just how important this was, I remember when I left, Hewlett Packard was the tech company I worked for. When I left, a lot of the people in the department were confused as to why I would go between this discipline and then what they saw was kind of a place for yellow pencils and erasers and stuff like that. They didn't realize, I don't think, the level of cultural import that comes from this very key area of society. Well, you know, it's fascinating because I think probably I share almost exactly the critique the two of you have about what happened and why it happened and what we have to do about it. You've done far more work than I have on what has to get fixed. But one of the things you bring up that I think is kind of fascinating is the way in which classrooms have changed over the last two generations. Can you expand on that? Well, yes. Classrooms, particularly right after the takeover by the progressives between 1915 and 1940, the classrooms shifted from looking to a basis of thought rooted in Christianity to a basis of thought. They had kind of sidelined it into kind of an Americana this was an early tactic of the progressives to realign, you know, you couldn't take a populace and say, we're going to base education on something different than Christianity. They had to say, we got to put something in its place. So they put the kind of American paideia in its place, what we call the American paideia. And then, of course, over the last couple of decades, they've removed that completely and put in a cultural Marxist paideia. So that's where Pete's work picked up was kind of where the American and cultural Marxist paideia were infused into the system. Yeah. And Newt, they studied successful political efforts previous to that. Even 1870s, a name I didn't know before we started this project, Frances Willard. She was a socialist feminist of the 1870s who hated alcohol consumption. So she created a third grade anti-alcohol curriculum in 1870s. And sure enough, 40 years later, there's a constitutional amendment that prohibits the consumption of alcohol and the distribution thereof. How do you get from third grade curriculum to a constitutional amendment? The progressives studied what was done in the 1870s and said, 
It is the plasticity of the mind of the child. It is the paideia, the vision of a good life. It's what we teach them at their youngest age, which will give them their virtues later on in life. We need to replicate that. And the Lincoln quote I use often is the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation becomes the philosophy of government in the next. I think progressives identified that very early on, which is why we're seeing, to bring it fast forward to today, we're seeing gender pronouns and all of that going down to the third grade, second grade, first grade level, because the sooner they can get them questioning even their very own identity as a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, the more malleable they are with every single aspect of their progressive experiment. Here's the thing, they wrote it down. It wasn't a secret. They talked about what they wanted to remove. God was the first thing. And David's right, they replaced it with values that didn't seem too foreign to most Americans, so the parents wouldn't revolt. And then once that wasn't needed anymore, they rejected that too. Hi, this is Newt. I will be on TalkShopLive.com Monday, June 20th at 6 p.m. Eastern, and I'll be offering autographed copies of my new book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future. You can go to the TalkShopLive.com homepage right now and find my book there, or search my name and get my new book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, and I'll be live this Monday, June 20th, on TalkShopLive.com at 6 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's TalkShopLive.com. I hope you'll join me. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. 
Identity theft protection starts here. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I'll be curious to get the two of you to react to this. But I've been very struck with the degree to which, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other God before me, is in fact explicitly violated by this effort to put humans at the center and basically eliminate God. And I've really wondered whether we didn't make a huge mistake in taking some kind of prayer, maybe a student prayer, but some recognition of our subordination to God out of the classroom. Because the whole notion now that I am like a God, I can decide my sex, I can decide who I am, I can decide how I want to live. But I'm curious how the two of you respond to that whole notion that you're really dealing with kind of a secular religion, which is almost the very definition of what the Ten Commandments prohibited. I think you're right on. I haven't heard a better description of it. And that, to me, is the baseline. It is a fundamental disagreement over the understanding of human nature and our sinful nature and our fallen nature. And when you look at all the progressive activists that influenced American education, to a man and to a woman, they were all atheists. But if not, they were socialists and Marxists. And they believed that man was perfectible through enough instruction or malleability and that utopia was possible. Now they use words like equity, but it's all based in creating an alternate religious system. Ultimately, you're believing in something. Now, today it's it's religion of climate change and that we are gods over what happens to the temperature. But it's always been that. It's always been a rejection of faith, which is why that's the first thing they targeted and removed. And then later on, to your point, Mr. Speaker, the Supreme Court did the work for them as a reflection of the culture in removing Bible reading and prayer, even silent prayer at lunchtime from school. And at that point, their consolidation of the view that the wall of separation of church and state is absolute in every realm was complete, and they've only consolidated it from there. David, what's your reflection on that? I echo what Pete just said, and of course, I think you're right on. And to Pete's point earlier, this is why they were taking little kids to drag queen events, right? The idea here is to build in a basic set of assumptions about what is good in this world. And then from that building block, they can build up a different kind of paideia that is entirely committed to atheistic autonomy and identity. So in the 70s and 80s, when I was in school, we're still seeing the unfolding of this. Now it's full-throated. And it's full-throated because we have completely strip-mined every ounce of God out of the assumption set that our kids are living with. And so whatever you do with them at home and taking them to school, you get six days of indoctrination in the other direction, with the seventh day, of course, being Sunday. And there's a famous quote we use in the book from Charles Potter, who is one of the colleagues of Dewey, who invented our system, where he says, give me the kids for six days a week, and you can have your one day a week in Sunday school, because it's not going to matter. 
And that's exactly what happened. That was in about 1934 that he said that. Why do you think they are such committed, either atheists or agnostics? I mean, what's at the core of this movement? I think it's clearly Marxism. Marxism in the economic sense is what conservatives leveled our barrels against for the first half of the 20th century. And we ignored the cultural aspects of Marxism because Marx, of course, said that religion was the opiate of the people. And what he meant by that was he was advocating kind of a rising up and a revolt by people against the capitalists. But that wasn't happening. So what's the explanation for why that wasn't happening? Because they were trapped in their commitment to Christianity. And therefore, they needed to remove Christianity in order for Marxist ideas to rise. And now we are seeing that in spades. In that context, what I'm struck with is that you've had this wave of attitudes, values, etc., that just doesn't work. I mean, you've got an enormous level of suicides, an enormous level of drug overdoses. You have the kind of killings we've been watching and talking about recently. You have vastly more killings at a personal level in every major city in America. And you have people being produced from schools who can't hold down a job, can't even find a job, don't know how to do math, can't read. At what point does it sink in that this has been an experiment that is a disaster, both for the individuals who are trapped in it and for the country? It's a really interesting question because they're able to outsource responsibility or accountability by always saying, you know, we're a few years away or just one equitable move or a couple billion dollars away from that utopia. Progress is coming. We're moving toward progress. You saw the rejection of the DA in San Francisco, Chesso Bonino, an avowed Marxist. They said, you know, we don't want to live amongst needles and amongst criminals. Even liberal voters with a residual understanding of believing that America is still a good place, old school liberals who are not avowed socialists, who came out of education systems in the 60s and 70s, which while far from perfect and still already captured by the left, at least had a osmosis, in my opinion, kind of like when I went to high school in the 80s and 90s, there was this, still this appreciation, the osmosis of, you know, America's good and capitalism may not be perfect, but it's our system. And let's celebrate the founders and teach basics. People can still think freely and there's critical reasoning there. The scary part to me is if and when we pump out 20 to 30 years from now, a generation of people who are completely captured by an atheistic woke worldview who continue to want to burn it down and don't even have that reflex or understanding, certainly of God, certainly of America even being a good place. Now we're in a, in a situation where those types of about faces are don't even feel possible because you don't have a populace equipped to critically assess enough how we got there and therefore at the whims of a demagogue who's always pointing the finger at the next bad guy who's the reason why we got in this particular place and never pointing back to truth. You know the political arena better than we do, Mr. Speaker. I mean, politically, it's going to create opportunities in the near term for conservatives because they can't deliver the utopia. They always deliver hell instead. They promise heaven and deliver hell. The question we're trying to answer is, what does it look like 30, 40 years down the line when we're producing generations of kids that hate America and never knew God in the first place? Well, and I think to your point about politics, the entire COVID experience with virtual classrooms led parents to begin to realize how sick the schools had become. And I think that Glenn Youngkin, for example, won the governorship of Virginia in part 
because parents were getting really fed up with the kind of left-wing anti-religious propaganda that they were discovering. I mean, to what extent do you think this exposure of parents to how bad the schools are and how bad the things that are being taught, how big a factor is that? David and I call it the COVID-16-19 moment. And it's that moment that two things happened at once that ended up being fortuitous for our movement of waking parents up. And that was lockdowns that sent kids into their homes with laptops to do school over Zoom right about the time that the educational industrial complex got competent enough to come out and just say it. You know, boys are not boys, girls are not girls. America's founding date is evil. 1619 is the new founding date. If you're white, you're an oppressor. If you're black, you're oppressed. And everyone needs to be an anti-racist. And oh, by the way, the streets are on fire with BLM riots and no one's being held accountable and our statues are being pulled down at the same time. Every single parent looked around and said, it can't be this bad, is it? And they were forced to confront what we had outsourced and barely knew. I mean, that's why you see the reactions of teachers who are like, don't tell your parents or parents don't get a say here. I'm your daddy here because that had been a large part of the ethos in a lot of places. We can get away with it at school because parents aren't paying attention and it's what we're told to teach. And this is a massive opportunity for a correction. And what I love about working with David on is the worst moment of America's educational life was in the 1970s when classical Christian education was completely buried. There were zero schools in America that were classical Christian schools. Today, there are over 400. You've got online options. You've got homeschool options. You've got virtual options. They're out there. If you want to find them, you can find them and they're affordable. So the goal of this book is to raise the awareness and also hopefully build a movement of an alternate pipeline. Our thesis is that saving the public schools at this point isn't going to save our country and isn't going to create the types of future citizens we need to save it. So there's a tactical retreat needed to create a whole nother ecosystem of young people who are fortified to think critically, love God and understand reasoning and make the case for it and then fill the country with those folks and see what happens. And that's what David is doing with his network of schools and why I think there's a huge solution aspect to this book. Could I chime in real quick with an inside story here that's kind of interesting? Certainly, it shows me the providence of God. So Pete called me originally in March of 2020. So, you know, obviously COVID hadn't really hit yet. There wasn't this focus on education. And Pete carried the flag because he personally believed in the project into Fox. And Fox went ahead and produced the Fox Nation Special Miseducation. And I kind of felt early on, I think Pete did too, that this was a nice project that Fox had agreed to do kind of as a favor more than anything else. And then the longer we were working on the project with our producer, John Case, he kept calling in going, did you see what they're doing now in the schools? Do you see what it's like? The story wrote itself over the next two years. And so it's just such a blessing to see that this thing sort of emerged by happenstance in a two-year project between Pete and I because the environment formed up around us. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. One of the things you guys have that I had not seen, and I think is just so wild, I've got to read this and then ask you two to comment. You note that in June of 2021, a North Korean defector who had become a Columbia University graduate, said, quote, even North Korea is not that nuts when talking about Ivy League education. <laughs> <laughs> she continued saying the United States future, quote, is as bleak as North Korea unless our self-loathing education system is overhauled. I mean, talk about a condemnation that is just mind-blowing. I mean, do you find people in that sense are getting awake to how bad this is? I hope so. I mean, it takes people who have seen it firsthand to appreciate a gathering storm. And that's why it's often immigrants or people who fled countries like that who recognize the lunacy that we're kind of used to at this point and say, no, 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 this is what's coming. But even someone like Max Horkheimer or Herbert Recusa of the Frankfurt School you know, they talked about using tolerance until they eventually wrote the famous article, Repressive Tolerance, saying, well, once we have power, the idea is to repress ideas that are antithetical to our social justice. They've always exposed and been willing to talk about who they are. They just haven't always had such a, this is a phrase we use in the book, such control over the commanding heights of culture and education that they could kind of do it with impunity. And now they're saying out in the open what they would have whispered about in the past or wished for in the past. And as a result, I think that's a big part of this, Newt, is that people still kind of think it's mostly a university thing. Like our universities are crazy, they've lost their mind, and they are, as that defector pointed out. I'm trying to tell my neighbors and others, like, no, 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 this is our school district here too. And it feels lighter and it's quieter and it's subtler and they deny there's critical race theory. And yeah, they're teaching the gender stuff, but it's not pronouns yet, but it's all going there. And none of it reinforces what you believe in. So I know you pay property taxes, but what's more important to you? 
you know, paying a little bit more intuition or making a change or taking a second job or having to undo, as David said, everything that's taught to your kids over the course of what we call the 16,000 hour war, because that's how many hours kids are in school between K through 12. So I do think we have a moment, but we have to be realistic. You did policy for decades. You still do. This is not a matter of a little bit of school choice here and, you know, a governor blocking this here that's going to get it done. The educational industrial complex, the unions, the teachers, colleges, the universities, they have totally captured that space. To us, it's a tactical retreat and building a whole nother pipeline. It gives us a fighting chance. What has become the role of the teachers unions as enforcers of secular left-wing militancy? Yeah, the teachers unions are obviously exhibit number one in the trial that Pete and I would like to have about the public school system. But I think we also see that there's an infrastructure that goes from the accreditation system, the state standards, statutes in the states, teacher certification, administrator certification, graduation standards, and the teachers unions who are driving all in the same direction. All of these aspects of the educational industrial complex are saying, this is what education is, this is the direction we're going. And even Christian schools have a hard time escaping that and probably don't. Yeah, teachers are the enforcers at this point, Mr. Speaker. I mean, they're the ones on the front lines that'll hold the signs and intimidate based on whatever the thing of the moment is, the ruling orthodoxy of the progressive elite of what the woke bop says is acceptable or important. They're the ones sent out on the front lines to play defense on that. And the thing is, they're hand in glove with the modern Democrat Party, and they're very well funded, and they play politics and they play hardball. And they've got to be a focus of any real, you know, larger macro education reform. And you know this better than we do. Public sector unions never should have been allowed in the first place. It's something we should be targeting if we want to liberate kids too. So, David, part of what I find interesting about this partnership is that you're not just a critic of the current system, but you're a creator of the alternative system. And you're president of the Association of Classical Christian Schools. Can you walk the rest of us through the whole notion of how big is this organization? What is a classical Christian education? And what is it that parents and grandparents should be looking for when they start looking at these kind of schools? Yes, I'd be glad to. Thanks. Back in about 1980, a pastor looked at the Christian school options and the public school options. He didn't want his kids in the public school because he didn't think that uh, you could raise children with a godless education. And the Christian schools that he looked at had bifurcated and they had social studies and all of the secular subjects in one classroom and then they would have a Bible study or a chapel. So he wanted to integrate the two. And he found an essay written by Dorothy Sayers back in the 1940s. Sayers was a contemporary and friend of C.S. Lewis and other famous thinkers. She was obviously famous in her own right for writing mystery novels. But she wrote this essay and said that we have forgotten classical education, which are the seven liberal arts. And she expressed the first three, the trivium, which are grammar, logic, and rhetoric, and how those help develop a child's ability to think for themselves and to discern truth. And she has some great quotes that we have in our book, where a world of media and indoctrination are present everywhere, these three skills of grammar, logic, and rhetoric help a child grow up to be able to address that. So he started a school. The school was popularized by about 1992. He wrote a book called Recovering the Lost Tools of Learning. And then they launched the association I'm now president of. 
quickly grew to around 200. And then in the next two decades, it went to 400. And we had over 100 schools join last year. And to join us, you have to be our type of school. You can't just join us. You have to teach Latin and great books and have a certain Christian basis. It's a process that takes some time, but it's exploding at this point, and we're trying to figure out how to deal with the growth. If people around the country wanted to explore creating a classical Christian school in their area, how would they get in touch with you? Classicalchristian.org, O-R-G, classicalchristian.org is the association site. That's where we put up all the resources to help schools get started. We have a program for that. And then classicaldifference.org, as we mentioned earlier, is the public affairs wing of our association that helps parents understand what we do and work with it at home. There's also homeschool organizations and others besides the association that help in this arena. No one really owns classical education. It's a system that existed for 2,000 years, so we're just here to try and help grease the skids. But as I understand it, in the Association of Classical Christian Schools, that the Students who graduate from the member schools pretty consistently outperform public schools on standardized tests. Yeah, we even surprised ourselves a bit on that one. A few years ago, we hired the University of Notre Dame to conduct a study of our graduates and sent them thousands of names for them to look and see how they compare. That study is on the Classical Difference website. It's called Good Soil. I won't go into it too much here, but the stark differences between classically educated students and conventionally educated students in five categories, public schools, prep schools, Catholic schools, Christian schools, and home schools. There were six different types of schools in the study, and it will show you the differences. It's amazing. Let me remind everybody, by the way, that you have a program that's at Fox Nation, which has really become quite a system in its own right. Can you take just a minute, Pete, and Tell us about the growth of Fox Nation itself, because I'm fascinated by how CNN tried this and collapsed totally, and you're really breaking through. Yeah, because, Mr. Speaker, you know what everyone wanted was a little bit more CNN. You know, that was clearly what the market was calling for. Yeah, you know what it is? First of all, Fox is already counter-programming at Fox News, doing everything that the rest of the media doesn't do. And then second of all, Fox Nation is able to go deeper on all the subjects that we care about. So... Take this subject of education. I can do a three-minute segment on Fox and Friends, and that's great. Or I can go out and do dozens of interviews with really smart people and explore a topic that deserves to be explored and creates content that our viewers can't get anywhere else. Where else are you going to get the 100-year secret takeover of our K-12 through classroom with the ability to promote it so people see it? It doesn't exist on the free-thinking, conservative side of the aisle. So whether it's patriotism or education faith. I mean, Mr. Speaker, I just got back from Israel. I was there for 10 days. We're doing a two-part special on the life of Jesus. I went with my pastor from my local church who talked about the gospel application of each location. It's the content that Netflix and all these other spots are never going to do. And they're never going to touch because they live in the same woke waters. And people are thirsting for truth and for investigation and for honesty and for patriotism. I think Fox Nation does a pretty darn good job of that. And this book comes in partnership with that series. It just goes even deeper on that. But I want to say one other thing. David's schools are a game changer. My kids go to them. It's the education I never got. They are joyful. They are disciplined. I mean, the history that they teach, that's what makes them so different. They study history all the way through three times over. The maturity level of these kids, the faith, 
they are what school should look like. And that's why we advocate for them so hard. You two make quite a partnership. It's very, very impressive. I want to congratulate both of you on both the book and on the TV series. It's quite an achievement. Now, this is your fourth book. You've also written In the Arena, American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free, and Modern Warriors, Real Stories from Real Heroes. And now the two of you have a book, Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation, which I think is a tremendous contribution to the dialogue about how we need to reform our schools and the fact that parents do have alternative choices. They're not trapped into having their children go into places where they'll be taught by an agnostic or atheistic secular mind. I want to thank both of you for taking the time to join us today. Well, we thank you, Mr. Speaker. We stand on your shoulders of the work you've done for decades, so we just appreciate the opportunity. I echo that. Thank you to my guests, Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin. You can get a link to buy their new book, Battle for the American Mind, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howe, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at Viking.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.